fun, a special. We are up to episode 12 now of the Awkward In Between podcast, and this is actually our last guest. Yes. For the season. Our last guest interview episode for our first season of the Awkward In Between. How do you feel about that, Damien? Ah, well. Yes, there's. Oh, look, on one hand, I'm actually really quite tired. I'm like, yeah, I'm quite happy to take a bit of a break, you know, and catch up some sleep. Well, you know, to be context specific, as I always like to, you know, blow the illusion is mm. we, this is the first time we've done a second interview on the same day uh, as our last interview. Yes, that's right. We <laughs> no wonder you're feeling tired after our episode with Jeff uh, Crabtree, which is available. You can go check that out. Episode 11. Also, jump in our Facebook page because we do have a post floating around there about what sort of things you'd like. Us to cover in, in the next season. Mm. Um, some of the thoughts. There's been. No, a few. I'd, I'd love to get a bit more interaction happening. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe we need to explore other spaces. Come next year when we do our second season or something. Maybe Facebook's not the space. Yep. Where people want to interact with us. But you know, we did start off going. This this has the potential to just be the opinion of. You know, two middle-aged white guys, yeah, and yeah. Uh, if nobody else joins the conversation, that's exactly what it's going to be. There was a comment on the on the Facebook page from Isaiah who did make some smart out of the comment. It was funny, like he was like, um, you know, you, you could just call the podcast two two middle-aged white guys tell you what they think is good, and he goes, that'd probably be a more <laughs> interesting topic, like title. We'd probably have way more listeners. <laughs> <laughs> but that's pretty funny. And a number of people have actually said like to hear more conflict. Um, yeah, interesting, right? Mm. Because I think I think this the, the feedback we had from the Matt Prada episode. Yep. Um, which was uh, you know, the, the episode where our guest and us were probably least in agreement mm-hmm. uh, and how we tried to navigate that. And we didn't yep. really get into the issues. No. And I wonder whether maybe that's something we should try more of in our next season mm. is actually attacking some of the issues yes. as an exercise in yeah. loving disagreement. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Which means, and really, you know, that kind of brings us into our, our guest today, who's our final guest uh, for this particular season, uh, Conrad Benjamin. He runs his own podcast, which is called the Ideas Digest podcast, yeah. uh, probably on a similar vein to what we're doing. Um but he's been doing it for a hundred odd episodes more than what we. Yeah, have. yeah. I think he's been uh, running uh, that for since 2019. So yeah. he's actually run right through COVID too. I wonder what that experience was like for him. Yeah, but I'm kind of keen to hear, you know, I guess his expertise on on how he has those con- sort of conversations and mm. what that's like for him and, and conflict. Before we get on to Conrad, let's get into our beer for the day. This is so I mentioned in the last episode that I'd taken a month off. Uh, drinking just yeah, just for some general health concerns <laughs> myself, and then somebody just to give you some context behind what we're about to drink. Uh, a work colleague of mine gifted me a four pack of this beer that they got from the Brendale Brewing Company. Uh, mm, well, they make some Brisbane. nice beers, yeah. Mm. Um, and they gifted this to me, and it's called a Big Stupid Stout because they knew I like stouts, and it's fifteen point five percent. So in one can, it's five point four standard drinks, and. Uh, and I thought to myself, it would be rude not to at least drink one of them. <laughs> so I saved yeah. it to share with you. Well, I, I'm grateful and more than happy to, pour this while to you talk. help you uh, get through the stout. And of course, if you're paying attention to what I've just said, we've broken Damien's uh, alcohol fast with not just one, but of course, now we're on to our second beer of the day. Uh, as we head into our second interview. So, look, while you're pouring that, mate, we will get Conrad on the line. 
All right, so we've got Conrad Benjamin with us right now. Now, Conrad, um, this is really cool. Like, just just so that everybody is completely <laughs> on the same page as where we're at, Rory. It's taken us about ten minutes just to connect with you because us being absolute podcast amateurs <laughs> have just yeah you know, been fiddling and farting around in the dark while was you, the podcast expert, knew exactly what to do and be able to link us in through what you're doing. Now, look, from what I understand, you've done like 120-odd episodes now of the Ideas Digest podcast. So congratulations on that, my friend. Cheers. That is, that is impressive. Yes, yes, thank you. Cheers, boys, thank you. For, for youngsters like us. In the podcast sense, I mean, I think you're younger than both of us. Yeah, you uh, wish, mate. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, what, what have been some of the, the highlights for you running that particular podcast? Oh, listen, I think in a way it's this weird spiritual practice for me as I go, as I project this image of, hey, let's just listen to people and understand people and see where they're coming from. Every episode I'm trying to like reach out to a new idea and have a conversation with someone and have some people in the comments hit back. And it's just this continual ego discovery going like, oh, I'm going to judge this person. I'm going to have an interaction with a hater online. And that's been my recent bane of my existence is like like I've been trying to get like haters to come and talk to me. They'll leave a comment. I'm like, hey, just come and talk to me. And and they never will. And so it's like it's testing my patience being like, oh, well, fine. You can bloody say it online, but you won't even have a conversation with me. Um, So it's just like. I mean, some highlights would be uh, I've had some interesting conversations with, um, I guess the, 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 the big highlight that stands out is like most people I talk to, when you talk to someone in person with whatever idea they're talking about, that that everyone agrees with this idea of like, yeah, let's like listen to each other, listen to both sides. This sounds like a really good thing to do. But when it comes down to it, it's people, we don't actually really want to listen to uh-huh. it. And I only had one encounter where the guest um, you would be familiar with with uh, who I would say I would say friend of the show. I'm not sure if he would see it that way. Pete Evans, celebrity chef, Aussie uh, celebrity yeah, chef. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I had him on, and and I don't think he did any research to like the beginning where I just have a bit of a joke and judge him a little bit, and he can correct it where I'm wrong and things like that. And uh, he we had an exchange that was a bit awkward. I was like, so Pete, you're you're anti science. Um, this is what you know the internet's saying about you, and he's like, what a stupid effing question. And I was like, oh, okay, let me explain. Like, you can correct it. It's just a joke. That was a fun time. (laughs) Well, let's come back to some of that because I I think that it's about time that somebody made some judgments about you, Conrad. And for listeners of our show who who haven't yet tried out uh, the Ideas Digest, and I would highly recommend it. I Mm. I, I reckon I've listened to maybe half of your hundred or so okay. episodes. So, uh, yeah, I've, I've been enjoying it, mate. And, You're a good, and, uh, does that make me show. a friend of the show? That's what I first want to know. You, you're a definite friend of the show. Friend of the show. <laughs> Excellent, which, which is ideas terminology, ideas digest terminology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. See, I was waiting for Dave to dob me in. He goes, whereas Damo, on the other hand, is only listening to one, which is the Rob Bell episode because <laughs> he's got a giant crush on Rob Bell. But, yes, yes, you do. You are a fanboy. But you fan didn't dob me in. I dob myself in. Anyway. <laughs> but no, like, I just – so for those who haven't listened, uh, Conrad often will start his uh, podcast by uh, by making judgments about people and, you know, pretending um, – let's pretend we've met in a bar, uh, just getting to know each other other and yes. I'm going to tell you, we always make judgments. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like I'm, I'm channeling you, Conrad. Yep. Uh, we always make judgments uh, when we meet new people. You know, We just don't usually express them. But yep. I'm going to tell you some of the judgments that I've made about you and, uh, and you get to response. Now, 
get, get, can so I, to, can to I judge one. as well? Because yeah, I'm yeah, also, you, you mean, can absolutely dive in. But oh, Conrad has one important rule, and the only people he lets off this rule are, are really famous people like Rob Bell. Mm. Uh, but uh, yeah. generally, he he will only allow people to have yes or no answers. Right. So I'm going to insist on yes or no answers, Conrad. Yeah. Uh, we're going to play by the rules. All right. All right. And I'm going to start by okay. saying now, All I know right. that I you are generally based uh, in Newcastle. Uh, I'm not sure whether that. Do you still live in Newcastle? Correct. No, I'm actually living in Bali at the moment, but I'll be back soon. I'll be right, back soon. hard life, but definitely doesn't change my assumption, uh, <laughs> which is to say, yeah. I'm going to say you are definitely a bogan. <laughs> you know what? Mm. I don't think so. I'm going to say no. You're no, going to go no, with no. I respect the no. Newcastle yeah. okay. I was actually Damon? born in Brisbane. Yeah, no, yeah, and, you know what, Conrad, no. I, I side with you. That wasn't my first I- I- impression of you. Um, yeah, I mean, and, and all I'm judging that on is all, you know, the fact that I'm seeing you now. I'm like, look, he's a good-looking guy. He's got a nice smile, great hair, good moustache. Oh, I don't know, that moustache. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I want to say more so, like I, I'm perceiving you to be more of like just like, like a really surfy, cruisy kind of guy that just goes with the flow. Yes, I'll go with a yes there. It's mm. a yes. I don't know how cruisy, but yes, I do enjoy the surf in Bali. Mm-hmm. All right, and and for me, as as a friend of the Ideas Digest, I'm going to say you're a troublemaker. Honorary friend, yeah. Who likes to pull the pin on a hand grenade, throw it into the crowd, and then walk away. Yes, but I may be backing away watching the explosion. (laughs) Looking at the aftermath and assessing. (laughs) Watching, yes. Very good. Do you have any more? Yeah, I'll go with that. Yep, for sure. Um, I want to say you're a pacifist. You know, yeah. I, ideologically, yes. I think I think I like to think I am. All right, cool. And uh, given that I literally, as I was coming over to Damien's this morning to do the podcast interview, I was listening to one of your most recent uh, uh, podcast episodes. And so I'm going to put you on the spot. And the reason I'm going to do this is because I feel like you uh-huh. don't like taking a position. So I'm going to – we're in yes or no territory at this point in the podcast, uh-huh. and I'm going to say oh, well you done. are a Christian well universalist. And I'm not allowed to rob Bell at that Right, right. None of this dancing around. <laughs> I thought you were soft on Rob Bell in that episode too. To you like... let him get away with that. You really should have just <laughs> – Yeah. Okay. And I don't get to know, like, who's asking. Right. No. Nah. Right. Yeah. Uh, sure. Yep. <laughs> Why not? Uh, actually, while we're making judgments, all right. You're a Pisces, aren't you? <laughs> Aries. Oh, nice okay, okay, okay. No, that's great, mate. Thank you. And I love, I love the way you do that in the podcast. You just kind of break down those initial barriers and and create a bit of uh, connection with the people you're speaking to. And I'm not sure how much you know about our podcast, uh, probably not much more than the little bit that I put in my email when I first reached out to you. Um, but called The Awkward In Between, obviously. And essentially, when we first yep. started, one of the biggest questions Damo and I had is, does the world really need to hear from two more middle-aged white guys? Now, spoiler alert, the answer to that question is no. Clearly the answer is yes. <laughs> oh, it's yes, there we go. <laughs> Well, we, we kind of lean towards thinking maybe it's not, but maybe other middle-aged white guys uh, sometimes need to hear from some middle-aged white guys um, at very least. Um, and true. the awkward in-between has come, I guess, as we have well and truly uh, gone through seasons in both our lives of our beliefs shifting, um, which I guess seems to me to 
maybe have been one of the catalysts for your podcast as well. And the fact both of us have reasonably conservative um, evangelical slash Pentecostal church backgrounds, and I know from listening to your podcast that there's mm-hmm. a uh, an Adventist background, um, and mm-hmm. and I guess yeah, in a lot of ways, what we are doing is actually processing our journey out loud in the hope that maybe <clears throat> that might be of help to somebody else on the journey. Uh, in spaces where it's often not safe to process the journey out loud. Mm-hmm. Um, but oh, I guess just as a starter, um, love for you to introduce yourself a little bit and, and in a context of maybe where the podcast came from um, and, uh, and yeah, how that came about. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, see, I always ask this question and I, and I am just glad I'm never answering it because I'm always <laughs> like, yeah, when you're just like, because I always ask, who are you and what do you do? And then you have right. to be like, oh, well, okay. How do I define myself into categories for Conrad? I'm Australian. How do I how do I see myself? Um, I'm probably I would describe myself as like a pseudo intellectual. Like I mm. like to think that I'm <laughs> smart and I and I like to talk like I'm smart, but I have zero qualifications. And hence the podcast, because you're like, oh, I'm like you. It's like who wants to hear another white guy's voice? Me. I do. <laughs> so clearly, it's the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> that's right. And and I think um, I've always been just very curious and growing up in a religious space. I grew up in like, so you guys, I would classify as like the cooler Christians. If you're coming from the Pentecostal world, (laughs) like the cooler music, you had the skinnier jeans, the better lights and stuff like that. I came from like, probably like Adventism, which is, can be super conservative, but I grew up in like the very a liberal arm of it that even Matt, the co-host of my show, he mm. makes fun of me. He's like, you know, we weren't really an Adventist. I'm like, whatever, mate. Like <laughs> I was just at the cooler church and we had the drums and the better music and things like that. But we weren't like Pentecostal level cool, mm. but I went to some of those events and things like that. Um, so I, growing up, like in that religious worldview, it was a good frame to be like, okay, here's your frame. Here's your picture of the universe that the world, quote unquote, Christian language to have, like, oh, the world has this view, but we have this other view. Mm-hmm. And then so from the beginning, it's contrasting, like, what you're told, there's always another narrative. And I was being given another narrative. But then I think it's just the way I would, I was just always questioning. And it didn't always go down that well. Like, I was in a progressive world. And so it was okay. Like, my mom was very open to it. Like, I came home at probably 15 or 16. And I was like, hey, mom, you know, our church reckons they're like the remnant, mm. like the one, the, mm. the correct one. And I was like, what are, what are the odds on that? Like, <laughs> let's just, and my mom was like, yeah, probably pretty low. Like, I think everyone's kind of got something. So I was from the beginning just questioning things. And mm. so you follow my trajectory of like, you know, deconstructing the world I was handed. And then I reconstructed it very quickly because I like listening to people, you know, like Rob Bell and he pieces to things together quite well. And so leading like into the, into the podcast, um, it, it was just a continuation of like, well, what if we just continue to question all worldviews and, and, and also place the ideas within the context of the human? Because I think we're trying to categorize everything, but some ideas work for some people and some ideas don't. And, and you just can't understand a lot mm-hmm. of ideas other than the fact that go, you say, it just works for them. And mm-hmm. if it works, let me understand how it works for you. Mm-hmm. And through you, I might be able to get a sense of, of kind of what's going on. But I suppose um, that's kind of the trajectory into the podcast and, and, and exploring ideas. I just wanted to talk to people about ideas. And I found the people around me t- didn't want to do it. So I was like, I oh, know, I'll start a podcast yeah. and find the people <laughs> on the internet 
that want to talk to me about those things. But yeah. I guess other than that, I, I was a teacher. I just quit my job because I feel like teachers don't get enough money or respect. Mm-hmm. So I, I quit and I may be back, who knows, but that's my, I guess, educational background there. So you quit your job to do less money, but at least you're doing something more, more, more <laughs> relaxing, should I say? Yeah. I mean, my surf, my surf time in the clock on has gone up, yep. which is good. My money has gone down <laughs> and I can't, I don't know if there's any respect gained in this either. <laughs> mm. I want to know then, so some of the ideas, because obviously you've had conversations with a number of different people from different perspectives and stuff. What are some of the ideas that you've been presented with yeah. that have really challenged you? Yeah, that's a, that's a very good question. I think, I think the ones that personally, like there's, there's the challenging ones. It is interesting as I talk to people and I engage with friends of the show just online, we'll, I'll post a clip and people will comment and be like, oh, this was so hard to listen to. And I'm always like, oh, I'll give you a golden emoji if you make it to the end. And these people take up the challenge, like, all right, I'll listen to it. I'll, I'll, I'll pause and I'll come back to it and I'll, I'll listen to it. Um, and it's interesting as, as I notice myself go through that process and go, okay, what, what bothers me? What, what are the things that are actually challenging to me? Because I think it's, all, it's more of a reflection of, of my own journey and the things that I have adequately looked at and gone, this idea did not work for me. Whereas if someone's presenting me with an idea that, you know, they're coming from Islam. I spoke mm-hmm. to a few people from Islam and that was fascinating. I found, <clears throat> I found um, just the very, like the, the same factions I, I, you can see when you're in the Christian world, you can see the progressives, the Rob Bells, the fundamentalists. I, I noticed that same pattern. <clears throat> I noticed that same pattern within Islam. And so you know, that was fascinating. And it wasn't that challenging to me to eat, to hear um, some people probably have more, <clears throat> more of a conservative um, Islamic belief or like the more progressive, probably the Rob Bell of Islam being like, you know, jihad is that internal struggle and it's actually mm. a tradition that isn't mm-hmm. the stereotype. And, and some people would kind of struggle with that. But, it, but for me, ideas that I haven't come from personally I do find fascinating because mm-hmm. I can just look at them and go, oh, that, I guess it doesn't work for me. But specifically, if it's like what, what challenges me the most is because I used to teach economics mm-hmm. and because I, that has is, that is been the slippery slope into politics and mm-hmm. I follow US politics like it's a sport. It's fascinating because economic theory and politics are like intertwined. Mm-hmm. So the things that challenge me the most is like anything to do with economic theory or, or political worldviews where people make these adamant statements. I, I, I interviewed a, a pro-Trump guy mm-hmm. and this is kind of what I followed. And I was like, you know, so as I was chatting to him about, so what's the good thing about Trump? You know, like, tell me like, what's really great. Mm. And Convert he's like, oh, Trump, well, you know, he's, he's saying he's going to build the wall. Mm. He's, he's got better tax cuts, you know, for the, he's got tax cuts for everybody. And I'm sitting here going, Yep, I know the policy you're talking about. And I just had that desire to be like, I just want to debunk what you're saying. I just want to be like, oh, yeah, like he's draining the swamp, like he put in 280 full-time lobbyists into his administration. That swamp, is that the one he drained? Like, But I'm like, no, Conrad, like I'm, I'm here to understand. And so it's, it's the things you, you, you think you know heaps about mm. that are the challenging conversations. And it's interesting to just notice myself as I go through that process of, trying to understand people and their consistent need to be like, I'm right and you're wrong. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, there's, 
Um, but if I'm more detached from it, I think if there's an idea, uh, like I just did the abortion debate. Yeah, yeah. I think that was, I'm like, obviously that hasn't affected me personally. I can, I'm in Australia. I'm not in that culture war. Mm. I can kind of view it from a distance and in a way, so some ideas are easier to kind of look at and I can take an ideological stance without feeling the impacts mm-hmm. of that. Mm-hmm. So that is just a less challenging idea. So I'm trying to go, okay, where, who has challenges with this and how can I bring them to the, to the forefront in the conversation? Are there particular things that you find yourself, um, you know, like, like what, or what issues should I say are you most attached to? Like what things do you find yourself getting, like you mentioned economics and politics before, but are there things that you particularly have a really strong dogmatic opinion on um, that, yeah, that, that I guess when you enter into a discussion, they become hot button issues for you? So are we talking Conrad in a cafe with a friend or we're talking Conrad, <laughs> the bastion of equality on a podcast that's enlightened? Conrad with a friend. Like when you're sitting down with a friend, someone you feel completely safe with that you can go, you know what, mm. right now I've got a real issue with, I don't know, vaccinations or climate change or whatever it might be. Something mm-hmm. that you go, you know, you, so society says you're supposed to have this opinion, but you're like, I'm not sure if I've got that opinion. Like, what, yeah. Or, 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 yeah, something that you, yeah. you're really passionate about that you may feel uncomfortable putting your cards on the table as to what your opinion is on that issue. Mm, to be honest, they're so, like, abs- oh, they're, <clears throat> they're on, like, the boring level of um, <laughs> I watch people's eyes glaze over when I get going on this sort of stuff. So I'll keep a close eye on your, on your <laughs> eyes. It's like the thing that, the thing that triggers me most is like fundamentalism of any kind. Mm-hmm. So if someone's coming in like, and I'm just noticing it across the board. So obviously growing up in a religious worldview, I've got the people still around me. I still engage on Facebook with some people who they'll be like, Conrad, you're not an Adventist. And I'm like, well, who the hell are you, mate? To tell mm. me I'm not like, mm. I can be what I want. And you know what? Just cause it annoys you. I'm an Adventist. <laughs> cause I grew up in it. I was born and I went to the college. I've done everything. So you, and so it's more like, that's my like oppositional defiance, just mm. being like, why do you, why does your interpretation get mm-hmm. to label, cast me out? Mm-hmm. Maybe I cast you out from my interpretation. <laughs> yeah, so sure. fundamentalism, like I notice it in the, like I'm in Bali at the moment and there's this, still this, this strain of fundamentalism that comes through that says, okay, like we've got energy healings and we've got um, meditations and this is how this world works. And I'm like, okay, interesting. That's how people, you know, it can help the brain. It can help you navigate life. It can give you meaning, all those sorts of things. But I just noticed this language that if we're talking, I'll hear this language of like, oh, yes, and you are made of energy and quantum entanglement is the reason why your cheese or shocker is. It's like a very like literal interpretation of here is how the universe is. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. that's always something where I'm like, oh, like, can we just keep it on the metaphorical level? Yes. Yeah. And then I can... Then I can like really understand. And so I'm always like reinterpreting in my mind. I'm like, okay, so it's as if it's yes. qu- the quantum yes. realm is connecting yeah, yeah. us in a way that can <laughs> transcend time and space. Like, um, and so, but the, the thing that will really fire me up at a, at a cafe is probably like, it's got to be politics. And mm. It's got to be Aussie politics. <laughs> it's like, we just came through 10 years of a conservative government. And I was like, I'm just in the weeds of like the nerdy, um, uh, the nerdy policy of like <clears throat> the ways in which the government have kind of eroded a bit of our democracy. Mm-hmm. And then I'll hear, you know, the, the sky news and the Fox news talking points of like, it's the 
transgender culture war and these things. And I'm like, oh, guys, like you, there's so much money in our politics. We're being, mani- so the thing that gets me going is like just noticing we're being manipulated mm-hmm. into fighting each other mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to distract us from the fact that these guys are just taking money from oil and gas companies to just pillage our collective wealth, make us hate taxes. And I'm like, but the government is us guys. We are the collective we, government. Yes, like we right. can, so that's what gets me boring. It's like civics. Civics gets me, gets me going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's fair. <laughs> and singing, we just recently probably did our, our most, one of our most challenging podcast interviews was just like, there was the last one that actually went to air and uh, uh, from a great guy, Matt Prada, but he, he is still in a fairly conservative Christian space. Uh, and so he, of, of all of our guests, um, he, he probably is the one where we have the least agreement in terms of where Damien and I currently stand in our worldviews and, and Matt's current mm. worldview. What was interesting is that we got more traction and more interest and more um, feedback about that interview than any so far. And to my surprise, what really struck me was that um, uh, a lot of that feedback came from people who would also disagree with Matt but what they loved about the episode was the way the effort we were all, you know, we were all both making to to engage in those conversations in a way that, you know, valued each other and I guess from a place of love as first and foremost. Um, but what I've been exploring with Damien, I think it might end up being a little bit of the seed of our second season, to be honest. And I wonder whether whether you bump into this given the approach you take to the podcast. Is, is whether there are worldviews which we shouldn't be platforming or are there worldviews that, that don't oh, deserve yeah. a respectful conversation? And if there are, how do we work out where mm. that point is? You know, at what point do we go, no, this conversation I, I don't think deserves <clears throat> me giving you the time to express what you believe? That, that is the question that does not go away mm-hmm. with what I'm trying, <clears throat> what I'm trying to do. So it, so it is, it's, it's interesting because it's like that question is at the core of everything our society is, is kind of grappling mm-hmm. with at the moment because mm. you've got group, like this is the critique from the right to the cancel culture left, mm-hmm. right? If, if you, if you take anything from the critique of the right, you say like, Yep, some of it's like this knee-jerk moral panic, which, you know, that would be my assessment. It's like, like, is this the issue? Is this the one we're going to mm. really spend all the time on? I'm not saying it's not necessarily happening on some scale, mm. but is it happening to the scale you're saying? And is, it this, is this the thing we're going to spend our society's consciousness on, I suppose? Mm. And so, but then there is this puritanical movement in some sections of the left, mm. if that's broadly how we paint them the brush there that says, well, you shouldn't. And I don't know if you've gotten this kind of from that episode that says you shouldn't even be talking about this. This is such a harmful belief Mm -hmm. that yeah, you shouldn't platform it. And that's where like the cancel culture comes in. It's going, well, they had this person on and therefore we're going to cancel their contracts and Mm -hmm. all those sorts of things. Um, And, and to be honest, like I haven't, I'm not a large enough platform to be taking that as seriously as perhaps like I'll, I will need to like, mm. if, cause I think that is, that is the challenging question. It's like, cause I've had that question as well being like, 
I do. I'm fascinated by the 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 way in which society's conversation is always being oriented around the culture war. Mm. And when you get me going in a cafe talking about like this is the distraction mm. that we are being whipped into by yeah. a profit-driven media cycle and by a conservative movement yeah. that has horrible policies for you. But if you're focusing on transgender issues or gay marriage or abortion, you're, not, you're going to ignore the fact that you're worse off monetarily under this government than the other. Um, and so then the question becomes like, I'm, I'm fascinated because this does captivate us. Like I had a, an exchange with a friend on Facebook cause I was just launching some opinions just cause I'm like, I just think up leading up to the election. I was like, Oh, maybe I'll just trigger some boomers with like throw some grenades. politics being like, surely. <laughs> yeah. Throw some grenades and walk away backwards. I was like, surely we can work out which political party is the best objectively. Like there are measures for this. There are sure. metrics on this. Like you look at economics. You, you pick your measurement. We've got global rankings for it. So mm. I would kind of jump on Facebook and do that. And I had an exchange with someone who I think I put a quote up being like, uh, like this anti-woke is a, is a permission structure set up by the, by the right, mm. by the far right to like give common ground to people going, they can identify with the right because this is a permission structure that they can kind of follow. And it was a bit of a, a post like that. And I noticed, and it, and I noticed the exchange was just, it was just so dualistic. I was trying to be like, okay, mm. how do we, let's have a discussion about it. What's, what's going on? Because uh, he was just saying like, the fact that you don't think this is a real thing that shows how ignorant you are, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh no, like, tell me, what am I missing? Is this a problem to democracy mm. on some levels? And I actually couldn't get that level of engagement out of it. Yeah. Um, and I, th I think actually, I think actually between your friends of the show and mine, it, uh, it led to a negative review of the podcast on, <laughs> on uh, Apple podcast. So uh, well, well done. Well done on that. Um, but I suppose to, to circle back to your question, it's, it's like, these are the things that captivate society to the point where I mention the word woke mm. with, with very limited kind of opinion around it. I was like, Hey, here's roughly what it could be doing. And what's happening in society, these words, more and more words are becoming political tribal markers. Mm. So if you use, if you say the word abortion, well, pro-life, pro-choice, you like transgender. Now that's a political tribal marker. Mm -hmm. um, uh, vaccines. Now they're a tribal marker, which like, it, these are the lines in the sand that we're now dividing over. Mm. And the question always becomes, it's like, do I spend my time also wading into this? Because my assessment on a lot of the culture war issues would be this is like a waste of our mm -hmm. collective, like collective thinking as society. Like we've got mm. big problems to solve mm -hmm. and we're arguing over who can use what bathroom in a 0.01% yeah. mm. use case. Yep. Um, but so, so I go, do I, do I lean into this and understand the person on the other side who's really bought into this, like, this anti-woke, like wokeism's destroying its free speech, it's like those talking points, because mm. I need to understand that because that's where it captivates a lot of people. But then when I do it, am I feeding that machine? Mm. Am I feeding into that, the consciousness that's like the algorithm wants us to keep feeding it? Whereas I would say, if I had it my way, I'm like, I just think it, our time is better spent elsewhere. So mm. to kind of 
and that's to overcomplicate your simple question there mm. of are there are there ideas or or things that I wouldn't ex- explore like I don't know I think it's always the question on my mind being like on the more small scale level like is is this idea worth feeding in this way by mm. exploring it even more but I think the people are worth doing that for because we need to understand yeah, right. what's captivating yeah. people but then I suppose are there ideas that are too dangerous to explore? I'm open to the possibility, but then how do we, un- like, if it's a prominent idea, how do we understand how it's taking hold in people yeah. if we don't talk about it or if we can't talk about it? So, so theoretically, ideologically, I'm like, well, no, like, even mm-hmm. if the guys are hard Nazi, I'm very curious as to how this ideolo- ideology functions for him. Yes. Yeah, yeah. But then I'm also open to being, a, being used as a platform to just propagate a message that yeah. can actually just maybe, it, maybe the conversation isn't helpful. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm open to either way. So I, I could go either way on that question. And, and I think that is um, something that is really problematic, definitely within media, um, within our cultures, because you know, I'm probably on the same side as you. Where I sit there and go, look, I think every human being um, is a dignified being and, and deserves that level of you know, being able to have the, the freedom and the opportunity to be able to put out and go, look, these are my thoughts, these are my values, these are my thing. And I want to be able to explore that with someone irrespective mm. of what those ideas might be. So, you know, Nazi or a pedophile or whatever, like people that, you know, like in society, <coughs> we go, we don't want anything to do with these people because they're, they're just downright evil. I still want to go, well, there's a, there's a being there that in some level shares the essence of humanity that I think deserves some level of of dignity that I want to explore with that person. And yet what I see in the media space is that once there is a radical idea, the radical idea becomes clickbait. And and like clickbait drives capitalism. Like, yeah, okay, the more clicks I can get on the website or the more clicks I can get, you know, or the more eyes I can get on whatever it is that I'm, you know, propagating that can be eventually exchanged for a monetary value for my corporation or organisation, you know, let's say it's News Corp or whatever it might be. So at that point, don't care what the issue is. If it's going to drive profit for my particular business, then great, yeah. let's put that issue forward. And that's where I think it becomes problematic mm. because then for the onlooker, if they suddenly go, oh, you know, let, let's say there was one person with a radical Nazi view and we want to give that person dignity to go, okay, we want to explore that view with you because we want to understand how you got to that view. But then it gets into Facebook as if, oh, there's a whole you – know, Nazism is on the rise in mm. Australia all of a sudden. People want to click on that. We suddenly feed the idea to society that there is a rise mm. in Nazism or there is a rise in whatever it might be. That's problematic. And so we decide, you know, that I guess the, the far left goes, so we need to ban that. We need to cancel those ideas from getting any sort of platform in itself. Mm. Is that not problematic as well? Does that then not fuel the interest in those ideas? Like, I don't know. It, it's difficult. I think you're hitting, yeah, you're hitting on like I think the, the like the philosophy behind how we view society. I think, and it's like the question behind the question that you ask is like, is there any idea that we shouldn't go to? Well, I think we first have to answer what is our role. Like, how, what do we believe our role to be in 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 society and in a platform? Like, it's 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 difficult because from an economist's perspective you can shift incentive structures and change societal's behavior. You can, mm-hmm. like in Australia, you can tax cigarettes yep. and we have the lowest smoking rates in the world. You can just tax it. You can put plain packaging laws. You can do everything we've done. Um, 
and you will see people's behavior change. Mm. So there is an outcome, like obviously Joe, like probably the best example of this is Joe Rogan when he had Peter McCullough when COVID was happening. Mm -hmm. This guy is like the alternative to the mainstream narrative on vaccines and science. And you see us grapple with this idea of going, well, he, he shouldn't have that person on. But then you mm. go, oh, like, sh should we like just not hear from these people? And then who determines who mm. we hear from? Uh -huh. right. Or does Joe Rogan have some kind of responsibility to, because I, like, if I'm honest, I could listen to that episode. I'm not a scientist. And you know what? I'm an idiot. I'll mm. believe that guy sounds smart. He sounds smarter than me. It puts pieces together. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to believe it. Yep. Mm. And if I'm not aware of my susceptibility to mm. listening to someone who knows more about science, perhaps less than others, or without the actual exchange of ideas for me to witness, then I, like, I guess I can believe, I can believe anything. Mm -hmm. And so it, it's like, what's Joe, what's Joe Rogan's role? And that's the debate. People go, oh, well, he's just an idiot or talking to idiots. And I'm like, yeah, but he's also a guy just having conversations that got so popular that does he like, the, and I don't have an answer for this question, but I think it's the question that is truly we're grappling with. Does he have a responsibility because it's the sample size is so large that when <laughs> he has a certain person on, he could probably measurably impact vaccine rates. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. does he have to grapple with that? Uh, whereas for me, I go, well, I actually don't believe I can change anyone's mind on anything. Mm. that's kind of what enables me ideologically to have a conversation with someone and just not bother trying to say, yeah, but this, yeah, but that. And in my personal anecdote, I don't think I've ever changed anyone's mind. It doesn't matter how much data I can put in front of a Trump supporter and say, here are the tax cuts for the wealthy. Here's how much you got. Here's how much health um, outcomes went down for the poor. Here's how many swampy and executives <laughs> he had in his administration. Mm -hmm. Here's how the border wall didn't work. I can put all that in front and they can just look at it and go, fake news you're a lefty. Yeah. And, and I just yeah. go, okay, that's cool. Like, let's move beyond that conversation. And can I connect with that person? And can I, and this is, I guess, my experiment of being like, can we fundamentally disagree, but like each other? Yes. Mm -hmm. And, and with, with these ideas that we think like matter so much, because in a way they do, and they, it can sound like I'm trivializing, you know, especially things like gay marriage is and the transgender thing being weaponized right now, politically, mm -hmm. this is a, this is something that, is using as a weapon society's most vulnerable people for a political weapon because they're an insignificant voting block. Yep. So they go, well, this is a voting block that we don't care if we get their votes or not, but we can use them to get the votes from these people. So we yeah. can do that. And, and people would say, well, Conrad, how could you be friends with someone who has this perhaps harmful ideology about transgender people? They think it's all made up. They think they're grooming children, all those sorts of things. I mean, one, because I'm detached from it. So mm -hmm. it actually isn't impacting me. So that's my privilege there. I can actually do that. Yes. But it's, I don't see how the alternative of shutting that person out being like, you're a monster, you're an a-hole, get out of here. I like, I don't see how that, I think that makes things worse. Mm -hmm. So do I think there's a human behind that I could get to know behind these issues, which a lot of them don't impact, especially politics, right? If mm. we're divided over politics, we're divided over some economic theory and it does on the macro, <coughs> it does on the macro impact people, but on the micro, like it doesn't like who you voted for, who I voted for, like 
can we can we still maintain a human relationship beyond mm-hmm. that? Like mm. I'm trying to grapple with these are important ideas. That's why I'm interested in them. But are is this worth the cost of a relationship or getting to know someone's humanity? Mm. I'm not sure it necessarily is, but then someone would come along and I don't know if I'm providing a clear answer, but someone come along and be like, no, no, this policy actually genuinely hurts me because I'm gay or because I'm a minority group. And I, and I go, that's actually true. Like I can understand how you would see that as well. So I don't, I don't really have an easy way forward no. from that you, other than to just sit in the middle and go, no, I, I get it. Yeah. You mentioned your privilege and obviously, you know, we've, we've come into this podcast you know, kind of self-identifying as uh, two middle-aged white guys, um, <laughs> the ultimate in, you know, 21st century privilege really uh, in a country like Australia. But um, one of the things we're exploring in that space, I guess, has been the fact that uh, regardless of our position on certain issues, there can be that sense. In fact, we just explored this with our last chat with um, Jeff Crabtree where you had, a you know, an older white guy doing research on sexual um, harassment in the music industry um, and, and being told by some mm-hmm. people, some women in the industry, that they wouldn't endorse his research uh, because he's male. Uh, have you, have you mm-hmm. experienced that? Yeah. Like I think about the recent little series you did about abortion um, and I accidentally stumbled into a Facebook uh, debate around abortion uh, in the you know not too long ago, uh, and and one of the kind of screaming voices in from more than one person in that debate was kind of like you know yeah. if you're a guy shut the hell up like <laughs> we don't even want to hear from you yeah. you know Do, have yeah. you found that kind of pushback yeah. as in you know let's say in that situation you know a, a, a non uterus owner. Uh, engaging in a conversation yeah. about abortion not so much about where you land as mind your own business mm. yeah um weirdly no but i um i won't be surprised if and when that kind of happens mm. because i get it i think in a way i'm like yep i can understand exactly how you come to that conclusion mm. and then I can just see how I just see the pieces of the consistent division of one army against the other. Mm -hmm. And it's, and so I like, I think, I don't know if I agree or disagree with that. I would go, I guess in a way I'd probably go, yeah, but like, like for you guys, for example, and I think you kind of what you said at the beginning, it's like, yep, you're two middle-aged white guys and guess who listens to middle-aged white guys? Mm-hmm. middle-aged white guys yeah so i guess there's it's like the same idea as like i kind of why bother starting a podcast like what's the point it's a saturated market every famous person michelle obama and and her dog everyone's got a podcast like why would <laughs> anyone listen to you and i think the answer to that you have to have some level of either um idealistic narcissistic optimism maybe <laughs> and maybe that's what i've what i've got but it's also this level of there is this what you're a unique voice and there are people who will just listen and go, I'm very similar to that. And I relate to that. And so we're going to kind of link up and discuss this together. Mm -hmm. So I guess my counter would be totally get it. I like middle-aged white men are making the laws for you about you without any of your say, all of those Mm. things. Totally fair. Here's another white guy, middle-aged telling you what you think, or here's this young guy with a mustache who's telling you about abortion or exploring the idea. And you don't need to listen to that. I go, fair enough. 
that's definitely true. Yeah. But I, I, I don't know. I guess I, I just think conversations are, are still worth having. And if they're not for you, that's totally fine. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Like I get it. That's, that's all I can kind of say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just getting back to some of the stuff you were saying before um, in, in relation to you saying, like, listen to Joe Rogan. Okay. And, and being able to go, okay, I identify myself. I understand. I, ultimately I'm an idiot, a good argument I'm going to get persuaded to. And you've got that self-awareness to know that I'm listening to somebody who's able to speak charismatically and, and, and whatever and put something forward and it mm. emotionally connects with me. I'll probably believe them irrespective of whether or not it's the truth or not because I just don't know any better. And it's really interesting because society, we value freedom and that's where problematic Mm. ideal or ideologies can get spread throughout the community very quickly is because we give people that that sense. You know, we we, want to have the freedom, but I want to be able to think for myself. I want to have ideas. I want to be able to express those Mm. things. I don't want somebody putting censorship in place to protect me or to stop me from receiving Mm. these particular ideas. And yet... We also have scientific and and psychological research that'll back up what you've said before. As an ignorant idiot, I will easily get manipulated to anybody that's going to present it in in an emotionally compelling way. And it's Mm. only because I've had that training and self-awareness to know that I'm likely to do that, that I will actually start putting up some filters in front of myself to go, okay, I need to actually critically Hmm. approach this information but not everybody gets that luxury and i guess what i'm asking is you know on one hand if we look at freedom to make decisions for ourselves that's an ideological moral ideal like we we should be upholding that Hmm. but also protecting Hmm. vulnerable people is also i think a a moral ideal that we you know we agree on and go yeah you know Hmm. people should be protected from exploitation and abuse and i think there's an, an area here where those two ideals can't coexist when we've got organizations like uh, mass media you know let, let's say you know fox news or whatever yeah. it might be they might be able to understand and go hey you know we know psychologically that people can be manipulated like i mean that's how advertising works advertising works because it knows how to connect with your emotional mm. core to make you make a, an impulse decision when you're at the shop to buy coca-cola or pepsi or whatever it might be and we don't mm. stop to question well what's the ethics of that because we want to uphold the freedom mm. For someone to, to make that decision, how, how do we protect ourselves from being exploited whilst also upholding our freedom to be exploited? Mm. <laughs> that is an excellent, excellent question of which I definitely do not have an answer. Mm. But I think my approach to, to that question is as you're describing that scenario of being self-aware enough i think i think it depends on we like we do hold this ideal of freedom and freedom Mm. of speech and freedom of expression and all of those sorts of things and i think we are handed so we have that everyone kind of wants that i want that yep kind of i'm i always say like at my core i'm a libertarian i'm like you know, unless you've got good data to stop me from doing something, mm-hmm. like nothing annoys me more. And this, this will probably, especially Australians really don't like this position that I have. <laughs> it's like, I just like, I grew up in Australia and you get a ticket for not wearing a bicycle helmet. Mm. And the inside of me, I'm just like, okay, I've seen the data. 
riding a bicycle on the footpath, like how just regular Joes would ride it, not a road cyclist, is as safe as walking based on data out of Norway. For mm-hmm. Like I go to Europe and everyone's riding around with their helmet, carefree, and I'm like, look at these guys, they're so free. And I go back to Australia, <laughs> officers like, oh, we got a license, mate. You Where's your helmet? Yeah, it's going to be a ticket. This is dangerous. And so it's like, I have that inside of me that's like, you know, back off. And, and I, I posted on Facebook once and to my surprise, everyone in Australia was like, you're an idiot if you don't wear one. You how dare you? It should be a law. So I'm like, okay, Australians love these rules. I get it. <laughs> Personally, um, yeah, I struggle with them. With you. Um, but we, like, I guess that tension between a society that wants to be free. I think the conversation when you make it really specific, it's like free from what? Mm. Because I think we've been handed a paradigm for this conversation that is always deliberately around the government. So you listen to the, how the right, the stereotypical right wing on Sky News Australia will say, this is cancel culture. There's no freedom of speech. Um, you know, Facebook deleting posts, Twitter deleting posts, all those sorts of things. They're framing it as if you're going to go to jail. If mm. So they've, they've, they've bait and switched your idea of freedom. No one's going to jail mm. for saying that their opinions on homosexuality or transgender or, mm-hmm. or whatever. No one's going to jail for that. Whereas that would be your typical definition of free speech. You'd mm. go, the government is stopping you from saying something. But they've pivoted it and they've gone, and this is, they've pivoted to go, corporations mm. exercising their quote unquote free speech to make more money because they've realized their audience will respond quite well if they cancel this person. Mm-hmm. Mm. So they go, they can actually make more money if they cancel this person. So this is actually capitalism. Yes. It's, so the thing that the right wing is railing against is actually a mechanism of the free market or quote unquote free market mm-hmm. that they actually, so they're actually asking the government to tell corporations that they can't do this. So then corporations have less freedoms but they're framing it like it's this radical left and it's coming from the government, mm. which is once again, not really happening. So it's like, what, what are we free from? Because you can frame it this way and go the example you gave, which is you're not free from mass media marketing. No one's talking about, they need to be free from the incentives that measurably increase gambling. When you advertise gambling through mm. during sports games, like problem, problematic gambling goes up. Mm-hmm. But we haven't been framed as that. Like, I would like to be free from that. I, would, yes. I know. I guess parents probably know this more than anyone else because they go, I don't want my kids watching this. Yeah. Because we, re- we look at our kids and go, okay, we want to protect our kids from that. Um, so I guess I took your question to a completely <laughs> random tangent. But That's I guess one. This is a good my one. point there is. There are no tangents. I think there is no default. <laughs> there is no default freedom. Just like there is no default, quote unquote, free market. Mm. There's always rules. There's always a regulator. So our freedom is like always in flux where we're not free from corporations literally bombarding us with propaganda that make me have a certain ideal set of beauty that Mm. I've just been bombarded going, this is attractive. This is not, Mm. I want, I'm not free from that. No. And, and I don't even know it. I've been absorbed Mm. by it. Um, and so I guess the question specifically is like, what, what do we want freedom in? And if we don't have that awareness of how manipulated we already are, I think we're starting from the wrong position yeah. mm. to even have the conversation. We end up getting sucked into the culture war of like, 
oh, the lefties want to take your freedom and, and the government, like that's, that's the argument around if Australia, because we have taxes on cigarettes, the argument goes, we have universal healthcare. We should probably have taxes on sugar because mm-hmm. that is the number one cause of death in Australia mm-hmm. is diabetes and, and like, uh, no, heart disease is yep. like the number one. So we should probably tax it. But then the story comes in and says, oh, but I want my freedoms. How dare the government take my freedoms? It's like, yeah, but you're not free from heart disease yeah. because you get sucked <laughs> into this advertising, which works. Yep. So I don't know. It's like, how do we define freedom? And this is like Conrad getting annoying Rob Bell being like, what does this mean? And what does no. this mean? Where do we go from here? Who bloody knows? I, I feel you. I resonate with that. And I mean, even our, even our free will, obviously, the extent to which our free will is a construct, you know, is, is an almost imaginary construct when, when so, you know, it, it, like I believe in free will, but I think that our free will is, is kind of like this, not, you know, like it's a small box, not a, an, un, you know, an infinite box that we mm. can make our choices within. And that's shaped by obviously, you know, I think everything from our DNA to our cultural context to our upbringing, you know, and, uh, and it, I think maybe it's some, something like the, the podcast that we're both doing, uh, are perhaps about just just trying to point a finger at things and and kind of go well maybe if we if we have this conversation we might just be that little bit more free mm. like actually cuz because in our ability to see clearly to see something with less filters mm. that we don't even know are there that's i think that's a really good way of of putting it if if and i suppose i suppose if i'm to take kind of what you said and add it to what i'm trying to do mm. It's actually the gift of the enemy, the gift of that guy that you disagree with is to offer you another lens on reality, mm-hmm. to offer you another way of seeing reality yeah, and to offer you the opportunity to go, maybe I'm wrong. And even if you still disagree and go, well, no, no, they're definitely wrong. I know that idea very <laughs> well and I'm happy to bask at that and say that's wrong. Mm. But for a moment, you got, to, you got to practice that position of going, maybe I am wrong. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and then maybe in that moment you're the most free you are, yeah, or you can be, yeah. And and it's a, you used that word right at the very beginning of our chat, uh, the word practice. Uh, and and I think you're right. Like for us, there's no doubt that this has been quite a cathartic experience for us. Um, and you know, it appears that mm. a, at least a handful of people have found some value in the journey as well, and that's amazing. Uh, if maybe a little surprising, <laughs> but we—it's certainly been great for us. Like we've found it yeah. to be almost a spiritual slash cathartic kind of practice uh, to do what we're doing. Um, and you know, if others happen to find some value along the way, well, that's a bonus, I think, for us anyway. <laughs> mm. Yeah, yeah, Conrad, definitely. it's been really great getting to chat with you today and just getting some new ideas. I don't know what we even talked about. That's the extent of the beer that I think I drank before, <laughs> but it's been. <laughs> It's been really good fun just to throw out, I think, you know, like this philosophical space where we can actually step back from ideas and, and you know, which is what I think you're trying to do with the ideas um, digest, but also in a way what we're trying to do with the awkward in between is those conversations where we can kind of step back a little bit and pull the emotion out of it to be able to have these ideas in a way that can be respectful and honest and open and, mm. and explore. It's, it's, a, mm. it's a great space I find to dwell in. For me, it's an energising space and I want to – and I think I think the temptation for me has often been and continues to be uh, to to come to a new place of certainty. Mm. And I think the awkward in between podcast for us, a lot mm. of it has been coming to realize that certainty is pretty over overrated in a lot of situations, and uh, and being mm. comfortable in the awkward in between, yeah. actually learning to 
be a bit more comfortable in the unknowing and the uncertainty is uh, is not a you know sometimes a, a more productive yeah. place to live. I think. Yeah. So thank you so much for coming on today, and I guess sharing what we do, and also doing what you're doing. Because yeah, yeah. You're throwing those ideas out there for people to be able to digest and sit there and go, yeah, wow, how how does this change the way I think about you know the world? And I think that's important for us to do that. So thank you so much. No worries. Thanks so much for the chat. I don't, I don't know how many. Uh, <laughs> how much information I coherently put together, but it's been a great job. <laughs>